Welcome back to the Flatiron Syndicate podcast. We've had a long hiatus um, just with everything that's going on in the world. This is kind of one of the, the low, low priority things to get fired up again, but uh, everything's kind of stabilized now. And, you know, we, we definitely wanted to come back and, and record more of these. We, we really like having these conversations. I think there's a lot of good information here that we get out. So we have knocked the dust off the podcast and we have recorded episode 12. Uh, for this episode, we had uh, Ryan Dussex was able to come and, and join us and we sat down and had a really good conversation, kind of got brought back up to speed with what he's been doing and what Scotty's been doing since the last podcast, which is, geez, at this point, been probably almost six months or so. Um, so yeah, well, well, thanks very much for, for tuning in and listening. Hopefully, uh, you, you've listened to some of the rest of the podcast and if you've been waiting for new episodes, apologize for the delay, but, uh, hopefully you like this one and, you know, just real quick before we throw it to the, to the, to the podcast here, you know, if you like what we're doing, if you like, uh, the, the content that we're putting out, please make sure you, uh, like and subscribe to our, our, uh, podcast here and then. Uh, head over to Flatirons Tuning website and check everything out there. So, thanks very much for listening, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed the podcast. Cool. And then the weird shit happens on that thirteenth floor, if it even exists. It most even most of the time, the thirteenth floor is actually the fourteenth floor. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I'm talking about just like how superstitious and like weird people are. They just assume that that's what's happening, even though you can just count it. Yeah. I don't think they do that nowadays, though, right? They don't still like that, are they? I thought so. I haven't been in a building that tall in a long time. Yeah, I know. Not very common out here. No. Next time we'll have to check. Yeah. We'll be doing a podcast from like the first bank center. I don't even know what they call it. What are those big buildings called downtown? Don't they have like special names, like bank names? Probably, but I have no idea what they are. Probably C B D Central. And then you got like Mary Jane Sweets. <laughs> and you know, they're all like probably weed, probably owned by weed companies now. Yeah. Well, they're Vertically integrated, right? That's right. Yeah. I don't know how you segue from that. I don't know where you... Where you... Oh, so back in Colorado. Back meanwhile, in... back at the ranch. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back. This We're, we're kick-starting the Flatiron Syndicate podcast again. We had to do a lot of research, but discovered that this is episode 12. 12th episode of Flatiron Syndicate podcast. It's been probably... Six months, I think five or six months since we recorded one of these. Man, a lot's gone on. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we're still here. We're still going. Um, events, like a lot of events, were canceled for a long time, but then now things are starting to kind of... Well, I, I don't think it's going to be back to normal for a long, long time, but events are happening again. Mm-hmm. So, so Dussex is here with us, and Scotty, both of you guys have been out to events. So... Primarily like NASA events and Dusk students and some of the grid life events. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe just let's start there. Let's just play a little catch up, uh, just with what's been going on. So, um, well, Scott, let's start with you. So, what? When did you start running? How many events have you done thus far? Uh, I think I have five events in so far. Um, that. The first NASA event was canceled, which was in April. Okay. And then the what was then their first the first event after it was canceled uh, was it Pueblo? So uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, four or five events. Four or five events. So what's it, what's it been like out there? And what's how's the season been going for you? Uh, season's been going good. The car's fast. Um, I take that back. The car's slow, but it, <laughs> it gets around corners pretty fast with uh, with the arrow that I have. Um, currently in first place for the regional NASA Rocky Mountain series. And that's in the T3. TT3. TT3. Yeah. Yeah. Um, got my ass handed to me out at the crossover Utah event out at Miller Motorsports Park. Um, realized that the car was making way too much drag for the minimal amount of horsepower that I had, but uh, just watching some of these cars walk away from me on the straights. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, other than that, it's 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 good. Uh, well, this is this is the first season that you've run, like in in this time trials class, like really trying to, like really trying to compete with the car. The first time I've actually made an effort to run a full season. Yeah. 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 So I mean, what's maybe think you just well, and and you have one more event left. For, for basically to complete the season, and then uh, there's possibly you know, the, the runoffs or whatever. No, uh, championships got canceled. Those mm -hmm. were actually... Uh, it been a couple weeks ago, probably. Okay. Uh, yeah. So there's one more event. There's one more event. That's it. That's it. One more event to High Plains Raceway. Any kind of, like, anything that you ran into that you weren't expecting or something that you thought was going to be a lot easier than it ended up actually being? Building effective arrow, um, and effective arrow to where enough downforce to make the car stick, but without as much drag, you know, to slow me down. Yeah. And that's that's the biggest thing I'm running into right now is trying to stay planted without having all the drag. I mean, 274 horsepower does not really push through a bunch of drag. Um, you know, I, I ran into this at Grid Life where I ended up, well, I, I destroyed my splitter, so I had to take it off. <laughs> Took the run, anyway. run it, ran into it, serious, huh? Um, <laughs> but, you know, some of these tracks like uh, Pikes Peak International Raceway where you don't need all the downforce, and so taking that off actually would, was hugely beneficial for, for scooting around that NASCAR oval. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so it sounds like with the arrow, you're starting to learn that it there's different applications for different tracks. Well, I mean, you it's part of the thing about arrow is being able to adjust it. But, sure. But you know, a lot of these guys that are running big arrow are also running big, big horsepower. Arrow, yeah. Sure. And when you have the horsepower to push through that drag to make the arrow beneficial, that's one thing. When Essentially, you become a momentum car. Um, that the arrow is detrimental in in a straight line, mm -hmm. um, or in a track that doesn't really require it. So, it requires yeah, a little bit of fine tuning. Yeah, it's definitely a learning curve, and um, you know, I, I kind of redesigned the front splitter just now. Um, just. I did the professional awesome um, splitter diffusers across the bottom. Mm -hmm. um, so to hopefully make the same amount of downforce, but without as much drag by taking off the, the rear fences on the splitter itself. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see what happens on this next event in couple days. A couple days, yeah. As we're recording this, we're just a couple days away from your last event. It's worth noting, so so this is the first season that you were driving with, you know, the, we'll call it the aggressive aero package that you have. So with a with big front splitter rear wing, so, something that's worth mentioning is it high planes, what, what has happened since we last recorded as far as your personal best lap time? Um, I, I, lost three seconds off my lap time since the last time I was out. Um, so what what is what is your what is right now at High Plains your, your best lap time? So one fifty six nine. Um before that it was like a one fifty nine five something around that. Which is definitely moving. It's it's it's, oh, yeah. it's moving. I mean the, the arrow is the arrow is working. Um it's, well, that's uh, gonna be my question. Do you think the arrow is what allowed that? It, it's definitely the arrow that's that's allowing it. Um, okay. The the car hasn't. I mean, I, I haven't changed horsepower really. Um, I really haven't changed anything else on the car, but adding arrow. Mm -hmm. um, and and learning how to trust the arrow has been one of the biggest challenges there. Like knowing that the car is going to make the downforce, but trusting it enough to stay in the power through a lot of these corners. Um, it, it's kind of like a trust fall, but in a left <laughs> or a right. Yeah. Right, right. Where, where you have a, either a wall or 
a flag station that yeah staring at you staring at you yeah <laughs> but yeah I mean the the arrow's a, a fun game to play and I think fine tuning this arrow for high planes where I don't have as much drag but still have the same amount of downforce should hopefully help those times drop nice well and, and I mean overall I mean it's I'm, I'm, I'd say it's probably safe to say that it has been a little bit more work than you were expecting. But, I mean, it has been, what, it has been rewarding? Have you enjoyed running the first full season? Oh, of course. Um, it, it, is, it, it is a lot of work. Um, you know, just running a full season of local events is strenuous, um, both financially and mentally um, and physically. Um, but I'm sure that's nothing compared to what Dessex is doing where he's running a full season traveling all across the country thousands of miles in between races weekend to weekend um, but but yeah it, it's hard work it's, it's definitely hard work um, but I would rather do nothing else yeah well and it's, it's really cool to see the results of, of all the energy that you put into it really starting to to turn into something. I mean, the, the lap time's coming down, you know, just, just getting, making the car faster, not, not more power, but just, you know, getting, getting the car as a whole package to work better. And it's, it's pretty cool just from the outside looking in to watch and watch the progress and see that it's really moving in the right direction. Yeah, trying, trying to make a somewhat low powered car pull big power times yeah. around the track. Yeah. I think it's also worth mentioning too, and I just and I want to add to it for Scotty's car, the cage has been a big thing, but also the differentials. Like you've got yeah. all new differentials, and the reason I mention that is because I feel like that was a major, like the grip was a major game changer for me this year mm. with the WRX, and those things. I mean, they make a huge difference. And, and mm -hmm. they really do. I mean, with his technologically advanced as an STI is the those diffs do still lack in in really trying to squeeze every last second you know out of a lap time um, it, it's you wouldn't think it's easy to overpower a, a differential like like what comes in an STI but you find that it, it really is pretty easy that like the more you push that card the more you find its weaknesses yeah. Um, the differentials are one of the main weaknesses with, with trying to bring the times down. And we're talking about here just the stock torque biasing differentials. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's easy to overlook a differential because you, you know, for one, you know, I think any kind of differential that isn't an open differential, and we've talked about this before, but kind of people have a tendency of just kind of lumping all of anything other than an open diff into one thing and they just assume that they're all, it's easy to assume that they all work the same way. Mm -hmm. right. A but limited slip is not just a limited slip, there are, right. there are kinds and styles of limited slips and, then, and, and driving styles and, and, yeah. and uh, the surface that you're driving on and all these things really come into play. Um, and then how, how the differential is set up. Yeah, and then when you get to, yeah, clutch type diff, now set up all of a sudden, one, there's a lot of options, but two, if you get it set up right, then there's so much more benefit in terms yeah. of how the diff works and how the, how the car overall behaves and handles. Absolutely. And even also rebuilding your center diff, it's like now that you know what it was like before, and now you know what it is like right now, it's easier to like, oh yeah, I'm having problems with that one thing. I mean, that's got to be a bigger difference too, right? Well, and, and, and right, and I mean, the damn, I wish those things weren't as expensive as they are to rebuild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, was, I was actually looking around like, well, maybe I just need a spare center diff. Brand new, those things were like, what, $3,500? Um, well, yeah, I think it's a little less than that, but it's, they're crazy. They're, 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 they're crazy expensive. And the, I mean, what do you, Start going on hunts for used, beat up six speed transmissions where you can pull the same <laughs> out of just so maybe I'm gonna spend two thousand dollars on this broken transmission just so I have a center diff out of it. Yeah, 
and then maybe spend twelve hundred dollars on a clutch pack to know that it's one hundred percent good. Right, 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 right. But I mean, it's I mean that is a critical that that's the center diff in the STI because it's electronically controlled and you can dial in that performance with with a controller. Mm -hmm. It is that is a really critical part in the overall handling of the car. Oh, yeah. I think I mean it's worth mentioning even even with that being said like the diffs in the STI are a lot of the reason why like if you were if you were to drive a WRX and then you drive an STI just stock for stock the, the STI feels like it has more grip but a lot of the reason for that is the differentials that it has in it. Correct. It's so like if you're trying to kind of picture how much of a difference a differential can make I mean that's that's something that you, you know, maybe you've experienced or it's pretty easy to experience. But I mean, you know, you take a WRX with open front and rear differentials mm -hmm. and, and then you go into an STI, the, the level of grip is going to be huge. Yeah. But then actually putting in true proper clutch style differentials again, it, and it's like race tires. Right. Yeah. It's, like, a, it's like an STI plus an STI as mm -hmm. far as the grip goes. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is huge. It's something where if you're trying to improve the handling of a car and you're trying to get more grip, I mean, certainly wider tires, certainly better tires are, are a big part of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, tires are literally where the rubber meets the road. That's, that's where the car is in contact with, with the road. So, I mean, that's a big percentage of how much grip you have and how the car is going to behave. But I'd say right behind that are the diffs. Mm -hmm. Well, because if... If you can't take the power that you're making and put it to the tires that have the grip via the differential, it's not, use it. yeah, it's yeah. not going to make a lot of difference. Yeah. It's one of the, it's, and again, it's just it's so easy to overlook that aspect when you're trying to improve the handling of a car. Mm -hmm. You know, either it just just from it just doesn't come to mind, or just it, I think it's overlooked how many possibilities there are there with differentials. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, so Dussex, we've got you sitting here. Um, you just got back into town. Yeah. So it's been, uh, I think it's safe to say it's been a little bit of a busy, I don't know, season so far for you. Yeah. So what are, what are some of the high points for you? So we started off with that junkyard motor at Coda in February. Yeah. And then kind of when we got back, all the COVID stuff was happening. Right. So like I sold my house. I bought an RV, I bought a stacker trailer, and spent a bunch of money on the Subaru. And then all in the meantime, while everything was kind of coming together, I also bought my little, I bought this little EF Civic that eventually I want to race an ST6 and maybe do some endurance racing in. Mm. And, and we've been just driving. And when I say the wheels off of this thing, I do quite literally mean like the wheels. <laughs> like that poor car. I can't look at it. I'm scared to drive it right now because like the tie rod ends are done. Like the ball joints are done. The wheel bearings are roaring like a whole pride of lions. I mean like, yeah. but the car has really kind of got me through like with WRX being down and uh, the COVID, you know, because a lot of the stuff was local. Like it's pretty much like a nationwide freeze on the big events. And yeah. when stuff did start opening up, it was small stuff like La Junta and then eventually High Plains and then... Pueblo and so a lot of the smaller stuff before we really started venturing out of the state and so that's been really fun with that Civic I mean we literally I bought this thing from a buddy of mine who also lost his job in the oil field and then I basically turned around and put it right on the track and we blew the motor like the same day and I wasn't even driving I didn't even get to drive it it's actually a buddy of mine yeah so we went and got a motor and put a motor in it and then we had, like learned like okay we need real oil control so I'm an old Honda guy from the past, so I just took some of my old Honda stuff and put it together. We have been like a merciless beatdown on that Civic. Mm. I want this dude. This dude's style is amazing. It's orange shirt, pumpkin socks, bike <laughs> bike shorts. Bike shorts. Visor. Wow. For you guys at home, we're looking at the epitome of style right here. Yeah, Boulder style for sure. He's I think those are Birkenstocks. Birkenstocks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that's a hybrid. <laughs> I can tell from that emblem, that's a hybrid Highlander. Nice. <laughs> that doesn't get more bolder than that, I don't yeah. think. He's, he's embracing October. Mm -hmm. He's dressing the part. Nice. But yeah, so the Civic kind of got me through the local events while we we're kind of waiting on, big part of it was the aftermarket scene to catch up, waiting on like, like 
selling my house. Like I bought the Civic before I had the house sold. Uh, so I was actually able to do events with that and you know, I've been laid off since December last year. Mm. So without a bunch of income coming in and and then we basically got a whole bunch of stuff in with the Subaru and mm. kind of flash forward through like the local season. Um, I took the Subaru just recently and kind of like a, a month on the road with it and we got a bunch of stuff for it. Big wide body kit, yep. big tires, you know, and that's the biggest reason why we had the, the big wide body. I took essentially the same engine we took Dakota, similar power that I had at um, uh, NCM last year, SCCA time trials, like similar power and stuff. And we put 315 Yokohama Advans on it instead of the Falcon, the 255 Azenas I was running last year. Wow. And um, new diffs, you know, I've got like a fancy Cusco rear diff, we had a Cusco front diff, mm -hmm. and all kinds of fun stuff in the transmission. And basically took the rest of the car that was stock you know, other than some weight reduction, and got to take it back out this season. And on our first run at Road America, we won first and unlimited, which was awesome on street That's tires. Awesome. And then the second really, outing, really big street tires. To yeah, be fair. big, big street tires. <laughs> like it's it's changed. Like we were talking, Scotty and I, are like, how do you set up the suspension on a car like that? Like, well, maybe you need less camber because you got more tires, yeah. more leverage. Yeah. Like, well, maybe you need more camber because now there's so much more grip. Like the car's gonna lean over. Like. Just have no idea, and we were looking at the pictures the other day. Like, okay, we can see what happens. The bigger your tires, the more grip you have, the more of everything that you need. You yeah. can see that it needs more caster. You can see that it needs more camber. Yeah. And it's even more obvious that it needs more camber in the rear, which is something we always thought we needed. But yeah. So it was pretty cool to basically take the WRX that we took Dakota. Yeah. And then shed three hundred pounds, put three fifteens on it, and 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 then take it back out again and see what it right. did. Right. And it's just insanely faster. Same sure. arrow and everything from last year. So like, the big the big comparison was driving it at um, NCM. And NCM, you know, we went ten seconds faster than last year, oh, with the geez. same power level. Ten, on a seconds, ten seconds faster with the same power. Okay. And, and what is what is a lap time out there like in the ballpark? Like a two. Last year I ran two twenty threes, two twenty fours. Last year. And this year I ran two thirteens, and I set the lap record for unlimited two. Wow! So I think I beat the lap record from last year by at like seven or eight seconds. Wow! And I beat the next guy who actually won the event, beat him by three and a half seconds. Wow! So and I was on street tires, and that's I think a big thing to keep in mind. We're not on Hoosiers yet, and that's wow. just what we did on. Yokohama Advance, which are arguably really good. Yeah. But, um, and then, you know, finish out the season in flames and typical Dessex fashion. And <laughs> and now we work on the rebuild, but season's not really over. We're still doing, you know, the trickle down events like this weekend. I'll be instructing and we'll be driving my little Beamer and then the last weekend event um, with SCCA and then preparing for the WRX teardown, basically. Yeah. So, so that. I don't want to dwell on it too much, but you did have an engine fire. Sure. So there's there's now a fair amount of rebuild that needs to happen. But I mean, you were you were planning to kind of do a pretty extensive engine build anyway. Absolutely. So to a certain extent, this does, this it, it could have been worse timing. Yeah. But but there's now a lot a lot maybe of extra work that needs to be done. Right. There is a um, I mean. I was more bummed about the transmission break-in after the first day at NCM than I was, and that's that is something that happened. We broke the, the new transmission. We were able to locate a six-speed, which mm -hmm. is super crazy. Yeah. And uh, but it was with a fixed DCCD. It was the VISC, like the non-DCCD anyway, yeah. six-speed. Yeah. And uh, we were able to get it in to try and like basically claw our way back up as close as we could get to first. And, um, and that was a lot of work. I mean, that was four hours round trip to get this transmission plus finding it. Plus we had to rip the other 200 plus pound six speed out of the car yeah. and put this other one in it and make sure everything worked. And literally we finished at like 2.30 in the morning and we had to race like 8.30 in the morning. So wow. it was, uh, so blowing the engine on the last event of my like little mini tour and I wanted to do more events but it was the last one that like I for sure was trying to do yeah I mean it wasn't the worst thing yeah. if I, it would have been worse to do that at NCM you know at least the sure. transmission we were willing to do that but with the engine fire 
I mean, with the engine blowing up, it was like, all right, well, this is the cheap $800 engine. We learned, and we're going to learn so much from it. I'm so excited to tear it apart. Like, the entire timing system is still intact. Like, mm. nothing broke on the timing system at all. So, like, it's super cool. Like, sure, I was probably over-boosting and overpowering that little 206, um, but we didn't have the same failure we've had on three other engines. So, mm. that's actually, like, there's a lot of good information that we're going yeah. to get out of we're going to get out of this you know yeah. as far as the failure but but it was going to be Haltech or Motec or some kind of standalone motorsports wiring yeah. drive-by wire so all that stuff was going to be replaced anyway See, even, this, is, this is the plan for the next engine yeah absolutely yeah. which the next engine's already built um, yeah. Keith James uh, has already put this thing together he actually came and finished he met us at Road America and put the heads together so it's literally I mean head gaskets and bolt this thing together and it's it's ready to go so the engine is ready to go yeah and it's um but it's still like it needs like specific things like it's adcs motor now so we want to run adcs and uh, we want to run drive-by-wire so we can do some take some more advantage of it and of course with the 16-bit ECU you can't monitor much so that's a big reason you know getting this motor from him we're definitely going to be pushing the limits a lot of OE parts we want to be able to see see what we're doing you know safeguards if you will so yeah it's um so a lot of this stuff is already bought and paid for with the exception of a standalone and i think as far as wiring goes it's going to come down to just i'd like to get the abs to work and that would definitely took a hit on the uh and the fire for sure versus the other components sorry i'm trying to <laughs> turn off for a little water cooler that's been serenading us here. Oh, yeah. I didn't even notice it. So, so you haven't made up your mind whether you're going with Haltech or Motec? I think, um, and I'm not trying to sound like a stingy person, but uh, we've talked with Haltech, and they're going to help me out uh, as far as like a sponsorship deal for next year. Okay. Um, I think they're a great ECU, but if I was paying retail price for it, I probably would buy the Motec. I would look at both of them. I mean, I, the cool thing is that just now they're actually selling their new PDM ECU combo, which I think makes that probably the coolest ECU on the market. So Haltech is. Their Nexus is now for sale, which is super awesome. It's basically a PDM built in with an ECU, so it's not a separate component. And so just and the what's cost. The, what's the PDM again? Uh, it's the power distribution module. Okay. So that's a um, basically you start dropping fuses and relays and stuff out of your car and it's all computer controlled so um, you can like turn your fans on and off doing certain cycles if your fuel pump starts drawing too high of a load it can start cycling the pump so that the fuel pumps not completely crapping out on you but at least it's it's keeping it going and keeping the car going until like you can get pulled over get stopped I mean so much cool stuff that PDMs can do and traditionally you would have to buy a PDM separately and then you have to program that whether it's from like ECU uh, tuner or I don't know ECU masters or AEM or uh, uh, Motec or whatever, and then you have the ECU that you have to program independently to do the engine control stuff. So with it all being actually combined together, now you can basically use the ECM part, like the engine control side, to run parts of the PDM and the PDM to run parts of the control engine control. So that all starts, it's all working together as a more complete package. Right. Yeah, it seems like a really good setup. Right yeah, there. and I think that's better than anything that's on the market right now. Just uh, MoTeC, you can build those things together, like yeah. where they work together and, and communicate together. But, I mean, just the base system on that's like $6,000. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's a lot of money. Yeah. So we're, I'm excited about working with Altec. I'm excited. I have a lot of friends who actually work for the company from when I was in Kentucky. And so I'm excited about the customer support and being able to get all the features that you get yeah. um, right off the bat. But uh, uh, there's the train. Huh? Yeah, it will not be a podcast <laughs> if the train will keep on. Yeah, but uh, um, so I'm really excited about the new Nexus ECU. And so pushing it out all year, you know, and running on this old 16-bit and on this old ECU is at least giving me the opportunity to reach out for the Nexus. Well, it's, I mean... It, it, the, the other cool thing is you, you have the car, you were familiar with the car, mm-hmm. and then you knew you wanted to make a bunch of changes to the handling, to the yeah. grip, but also to the power. Yeah. 
and now you have a pretty good sense of what the differences were with the grip. Yeah. You know, and, and some weight savings yeah. too. Yeah. But the, with the same power, so now next season, once the engine is in it and it's running again, mm -hmm. now you get to see what the difference is with the, with a power upgrade. Yeah. What do you What do you think? Roughly speaking, what do you think power-wise you were making with the 206 engine the last few events you've run, and what is what is kind of your your in power target for the new engine? So uh, I'm estimating. So in Colorado, we were tuning in at 21 psi, made 380 wheel with that motor. Since we were in Wisconsin, we we're running 23, 24, pushing 25 pounds of boost because of the the atmosphere difference. And wow. It's not boost target with the old 16 BTU. It's just waste like waste cycle, waste duty cycle. Yeah. So I would imagine we we're pushing like 400, 420 wheel somewhere around there. You know, and I mean, obviously, partly why the engine grenaded, you know, sure. shot a lot sure. of it. Sure. But uh, but it was it was hands down, especially at Gingerman, uh, which is probably one of the lower altitude events. The car was faster than it's ever been in a straight line. Like I have never, the car has never been that fast. So mm -hmm. just as a comparison, my buddy Troy, who has a, a rotated 3076 on his um, on his motor, mm -hmm. they're like 412 wheel or so. I was pulling them on a straight stretch with the same gear ratios. Wow. So the car was really, really healthy until it wasn't. <laughs> so so I would say probably pushing around the 420, 400 wow. wheel range. And we're only shooting for 500 on this next motor. Okay. And uh, we could do, you know, with, with uh, standalone, we can actually do stuff like boost target so you don't start making three pounds more boost and like it's all good until it isn't anymore right, like, right. oh this is awesome i can't believe this thing's doing it oh no we're in flames that's not yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah. um but yeah i think the uh so it's not actually going to be as big of a power jump as i initially thought it was mm -hmm. um but i didn't honestly think that the the grip modifications that we did to the car was going to change the car this much like mm. If I figured the power is going to make a big jump and the grip modification is going to be like a medium jump, now I'm kind of looking at it as like the power is going to make a medium or a small jump and the grip modifications are just like unbelievable. Like I can't even, it's just insane how the yeah. car is. It's just a totally different animal. Yeah. Now, how much do you think, or do you have plans on doing bigger arrow? So, I think no. And I this is only reason I say this and it's something that's obviously you've been talking thinking about since you're talking about it but I actually want to build a like just a little bit bigger than what I have now but super modular. So I want to be able to add an element or take it off. I'm not going to get a big giant, you know, huge wing maybe widthwise but something that I can keep slick. Mm -hmm. You know, removable fences on the splitter, not crazy, you know, 10 inch, you know, out 12 inch wide splitters cuz you said we're not a thousand horsepower cars right. i'm not breaking traction going down the straight stretch right and i think what's kind of what i've really just doing those three tracks ncm is definitely the highest gain aero track and so, road, just real quick which three tracks uh road america okay the national corvette museum motorsports complex yeah. that's down in bowling green and uh gingerman raceway now is it this is in the last tour so you guys experience all three of those with the, with the extra yep. width and tires and all exactly okay. same exact arrow I had last year to like the same spoiler in fact I ran my rear spoiler at probably a zero AOA with everything with the exception of the track sprint with SCCA which is kind of like an autocross yeah. I put my biggest gurney flap in I went super wild with it and I was like 8 seconds faster in the track sprint than I was last year in the same uh, configuration like same track configuration but it was going to be way too draggy to go down you know like just it, you don't need that much for what you're trying to do on the big track and so that's kind of what I've been thinking about I actually don't want it to make it much bigger than what it is right now um, and I want to make it adjustable and modular even with the splitter like add like a side fence or add like a 90 fence kind of like how yours was with the back and the sides or take it off and just have just the naked splitter and just keep it simple. And the same thing with the spoiler, I'm not gonna get just some crazy triple element, you know, wild spoiler or anything like that. Just try and reduce as much drag as possible and reduce as much lift as possible. Mm -hmm. Like using, 
you know, stuff like the the vents and closing more of the front end off, like we versus last year, and things like that to try and clean up the car, but not get super crazy with the downforce that starts basically slowing the car down. Well, it sounds like both of you, like Sky, what you were saying it, what you experienced out of Miller or Utah mm-hmm. Motorsports Park, and then what you just said too is, once you get to the point where you have an aero package that is that is effective, yeah, but then you start moving to different tracks. Yeah. that the, the need for a lot of downforce changes depending on the track. Yeah. Well, and I mean, Utah is a very high speed track, yeah. but it also benefits hugely from aero. Yeah. So it's one of those things of like, I couldn't get down the straight as fast right. with the drag, but I could get through the corners faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, it's it's that trade-off. Do do I reduce the amount of arrow so I can get down the, the straight faster, but then slow down through the corners? Yeah. Um, where at, at like PPIR, there's not a single corner there that benefits from arrow. Yeah. Right? So and that just like just taking everything off, yeah. you know, made a made a huge difference. So that's what you're saying, Bessex, is that once you get to that point where you have this effective arrow, making it modular, so yeah. you can now you're now tuning your setup for arrow almost yeah. like you would you know, play with your damping yeah. adjustment for your struts and stuff. Yeah, and, and not try and have giant swings either because sure. you, know, you still have the same springs, you know, you still have a lot of the same s- the suspension setup and stuff, but there is opportunities to make adjustments, you know, where you can get a little bit more out of that. And we saw it at Coda, like Coda, you got F1 cars out there, yeah, it seems like a big, F- like a big aero track, but man, the guys with power with no aero were just steamrolling so many guys mm-hmm. and uh, just because in like one straight stretch they're able to go 20 30 miles an hour faster and, and some of those straights are just yeah huge. I mean and at Road America just to like talk about drag I mean we took the car out with no glass like we had the windshield in the back window had a giant hole cut in the trunk that wasn't closed off yet I mean a lot a lot of aerodynamic drag on the uh, WRX we took it to Road America probably making 40 or 50 more horsepower than my buddy Adam Wood and his wagon, and I never broke 138 miles an hour on three straight stretches that are just massive, and he was going 140, 145 plus with 60 less horsepower. Well, yeah. wagons are aer- more aerodynamic. <laughs> just, just another reason why wagons are superior. But, yeah, there we go. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I mean, that was kind of like closing the trunk made a huge difference, I noticed. I mean, I was getting exhaust smell at 120. I could smell the exhaust of my car. It was like burning my eyes at 120 miles an hour. Jeez. Like there was that much coming back. And we drove in the rain a lot, this whole rotation. Now, what do you mean a hole in the trunk? So I cut the spare tire well out and oh, hadn't sealed okay. it off yet. Okay. okay. Yeah, I got a lot of looks. <laughs> it's like this car just, I just t- could only turn it enough to get it on the trailer. Um, so yeah, I mean, we closed it up for NCM, but I mean, it was enough, like it was enough drag on the car like one of my buddies, Chris Bickford's like, man, you were flying on me. And then like all of a sudden it was like, you let off. And it's like, really, once I got into sixth, the car was just, or over 120 miles an hour, really, the car was just like a brick. Parachute, parachute, exactly. And so, um, I mean, I noticed a huge difference, obviously closing that up. Um, And I ran all the, pretty much all the race louvers. I had like fender, front and rear fender vent louvers and uh, the hood louvers and stuff. And I noticed a big difference. The car was way slicker. Hmm. And um, uh, versus previous the previous event, but but I mean hmm. yeah so like and that's kind of where it came down to like the aero thing it's it's until we're making enough power to be doing four wheel burnouts down every aspect of the track we can't be having like you know the it's a balance it's a balance yeah you've got to find the balance where, where how much do you need to make you go faster but but just enough yeah. and not more than that because then it's slowing you down too yeah, much straights yeah it's a whole new i mean yeah, you could probably spend all weekend messing with that yeah just that alone it's a tricky game to play it i mean is. you know there's there's like there are different ways you can get faster around the track and obviously you just are realizing now that you essentially doubled the amount of tire contact yeah. that you have on the road itself yeah is a huge way yeah to be faster around a track yeah. you know without changing your power without changing your arrow just changing the amount of mechanical grip from tires mm-hmm. alone mm-hmm. makes that much difference and, and, and I mean that makes sense just 
like you said, there's twice as much tire in contact with yeah. the road. The whole idea with aero is to push the car down more yeah. so you can get more grip out of the same size tire mm-hmm. because you're pushing it down, but you just basically did the same thing by just, yeah. well, what if I put two tires on each corner? Yeah. Well, you've seen that too, right? You see like cars with like the dual rears and some of these SEMA bills last year and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Right. But I mean, yeah, it was, it was, it was actually really cool to get to experience that major change and like really know like okay this major change came from this modification not from like which one of these modifications made the difference like this one major change scares the shit out of me when i drive that car i was telling i was telling scotty that in text like dude this car is terrifying he's like well that's good you should that's good to the car i was like no 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 like this thing is like I don't even know where the limit is because I have never been that to this like this and it's scaring the hell out of me. Like I literally feel like a rag doll cinched down into like this roller skate that's just getting sent, you know, and it's like I haven't even haven't even found the limit yet of the grip. So what you're saying is potentially the car's the car there's even more pace in the car just as it sits. One hundred percent. You just haven't driven enough to find yeah. like like where is the limit of that grip? And that was one of the things I would I was really excited about bringing the high planes is the track I am comfortable with, mm. with the runoffs I am comfortable with. I've driven Scotty's car there with uh, with his Hoosiers yeah. and with his Arrow, like really charging into that track that I'm really comfortable with to really say like okay, like find push it to a, a more comfortable place, like find that limit because once you get there, then that's just the new norm and right. your body can get used to it and. Yeah. But up until that point, you know, it's like, it's just uncharted territory for that car. But I was look, really looking forward to doing that at High Plains. And once I get the car running, I mean, it's gotta be what I've gotta do again with it because yeah. you've got, like, you have to have a baseline yeah. to somewhere that you're comfortable where you can actually get to that point. Because once you get there, then you can be fast a lot of places. Yeah. Well, the good news is High Plains isn't going anywhere. Yeah. Hell yeah. So as soon as the car is up and running, I mean, you can absolutely yeah. get out there. But yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, and, and I guess with the engine, too, is like, it sounds like what you're what you're saying, too, is like the power is not, it, it's not like you're looking at 500 and then, well, I, I really need to set my sights on 600 mm-hmm. or, or try and make 700 horsepower reliably. Yeah. It sounds like if the new engine can just do even four to 500 yeah. horsepower and reliably, yeah. you, you still have to figure out how much potential is left with with just the, yeah. the new grip that you that you've got? Yeah, and that's on street tires. Yeah. And I've me and uh, we've in, talked about this in, in quotes. Street, street tires. Air quotes. They are street like tires. total cheater tires, <laughs> <laughs> without a doubt. Which, which now? Which tires again? It's the Advan. Advan AO fifty twos. Like even I put them on my Civic even, and the Civic is doing stuff that. It's way not normal for that car. Just and because of how grippy. Just because of how grippy those tires are, and um, so yeah, air quotes for sure on sh- on street tires. Yeah. Probably one of the best street tires on the market right now, and right. probably marginally two hundred tread wear. Probably more like fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to bet a set of Hoosier A sevens and outlast those tires for sure. Holy crap! Yeah, but I mean they're holding up great for me because that's the other part of having three fifteens versus 255s, I mean, even though you have more grip, you still wear it, like now you got twice the tire to wear down. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, not, you're not using the tire at nine tenths or 10 tenths of what it can do yeah. yet. Yeah, so it is really like, it's changed, honestly, and it's really, really good too. Getting the car out for these three events has changed my idea a little bit, and a mm-hmm. big part of it, like you said, is aero, because and, and we talked about even with the idea going sequential, like we're making all these changes in this car, so many uphills to deal with, you know, in all these different directions, basically getting it out there with just the grip modifications. Like this is like, oh, okay, this is, yep, this is what I need to focus on. Instead of trying to make this unreliable, super crazy horsepower super motor or super expensive transmission that's gonna have its own issues, like let's, like, let's keep this, and that's the direction I love anyway, mm. is suspension and grip and, yeah. And all of that, but I mean, we're also looking at the pictures of the car. I think I really, I hate to say it, but I love how the car handles, especially all the way up to this point. And I've been able to get my suspension, my alignment settings the way I want it, pretty close. Mm. But we're at the absolute limits of the factory parts, and now 
I think to really get the camber and the caster that the tires say they want, I, I'm going to have to figure out a whole different thing. And that's not exciting. Right. <laughs> it's like, not going to be cheap. It's not going to be cheap. And that's, and maybe that's good. I mean, we get a motor that's reliable at 400, or we know how to make reliable 400 motors, 400 horsepower motors, you know, yeah. instead of trying to build some, you know, $10,000 motor, put like $5,000 in subframes and adjustable control arms and really get that suspension dialed in. I mean, it's going to be even crazier. It'd be even well, faster. I mean, it's, it's interesting because you guys both have kind of come to the same conclusion for, for, for really it's the same reason but from different paths, mm -hmm. which is that you know, if you really want to go really, really fast, power just has, I mean, you, just, you need some power, mm -hmm. the car has to be reliable, but like grip is, is such a key part of really going fast. And then it's, then how do you get to the point of mm -hmm. the grip? But, but, I mean, having, having it so that you can take a corner at a really high rate of speed, maintain the rate of speed, kind of like what, Scotty, you were saying uh, as far as a momentum car, where the straightaway, like, that's, that's not where you make up the time. That's where you're taking a break. Mm -hmm. And then when you turn the car into the corner again, that's when, that's when you're starting to work again. Right. How, much, how much speed can you carry through that corner? Mm -hmm. If you really want to be fast around the circuit, that's what you that's what you need. You, you have to be fast in the corners. It creates this odd, um, I, I know what happens with Miatas. You always hear people talk about, like, if you're in that Corvette and there's a Miata in your window, like, yeah, you might be straight, faster than the straight shifts, but you probably is faster in the corners. Like, I went, like, just was basically jumping, jumping, jumping at Road America because of the rain and then have sessions worked out and all that other stuff. I went from basically through the middle to the front of the, the slowest group to the front of the middle group to like right in the middle of the fast group and once I got to the middle of the fast group the way cars are fast at Road America was so different mm. so I was in the middle of a bunch of cars that could do 170 180 on the straight stretches right. but their corner speeds couldn't were get around the corner. couldn't get around the corner so it was frustrating for me and likely them because we just were constantly like in that last session of the day when I knew there's two seconds more in the car Literally, we were pushing and pulling each other the entire the entire way, and it's four miles, so it's not like wow. you know when you give up a part of the track to let a car pass you, you have to wait you know two minutes or more at speed to like get another go at it, and so it's interesting because you know we joke about being fast in a Miata in the middle of a bunch of unexperienced Corvette drivers, but what happens when like you're fast in a Subaru? With, well, that can't do 170, 180 in the middle of a bunch of fast Porsche and Corvette drivers, oh, yeah. you know, because like this one car is in front of me, for example, was that a GT2 RS, mm -hmm. really lights out fast car in the straight stretches. And it was almost like he was stopping on the straight stretch to let me pass. And then I would pass and through, you know, a couple of corners and stuff, I'd be ahead of him. And then literally one straight stretch later, like I can't even see his headlights. Like he's so on me. Wow. And it's because I couldn't go 140 miles an hour. Right. You know, much less 180. Right. So it's an interesting, it's a weird, it's not a bad problem to have, yeah. but it is an interesting dynamic. Sure. So now we're like the slow, fast car instead of the fast, slow car. Well, it's still a really <laughs> fast car, but it's like you, you've run into, you, you're having all the same problems of a, like a Miata, a, a slow momentum yeah. car. But now in a in a faster group, you're, you're yeah. it's the same problem, but just like you know, you've taken twenty seconds off the lap time. Yeah. But it's it's still the same problem that you run into. Yeah. With with different cars and different builds. Yeah. You know, once once you get to that level. Yeah, I think I was the tenth or eleventh fastest car overall out of like eighty or ninety cars at Road America, hmm. and with the exception of a couple like Jackie Dink's car, for example, uh, most of the cars were just. There's three straight stretches you can do big power, like big speeds on. Like a lot of those guys were there because they weren't scared to go 180 in these cars right. or 190 miles an hour. Right. And um, and so like of those top 10, 11 cars, really a good five, six of them, you know, more than half, but still, you know, five or six of them were just, they literally just were wheeling the shit out of their cars and, right. and got up there. Right. And, but it only takes one car to ruin a lap in front of you. Sure. And like you watch the video and it's like, oh my god, out of my way. And then 
then you get to another car who is a really fast car, who is a really fast driver, but it's overheating and now it's in your way and it's like, oh my God. And then cars that just have, just can steamroll you on the back stretch and you've been held up in traffic. Now they're trying to pass you because they can, like we had a 900 horsepower Skyline in my rear view mirror and I was like, I could not shake them except for when it came to a turn. And then you'd be right back on me again. I was like, dude, I don't even know what to do right now. Like, yeah. I'm in this really <laughs> weird spot where like, I just want to go fast in the corners and I just cannot go fast anywhere else. Like, and in this, the, all, <laughs> all of this that we're talking about is, is time trials. Yeah. So it's yeah. where, where the goal is you want to, you want to get your one fastest lap. Yeah. But it's, it's so interesting that now there's like, you've run into this point with the build of the car yeah. and the grip that you've been able to get to that like, so now it's this this new chess game of like, well, how do you how do you position yourself so that you can actually yeah. do one lap the way that you need to, the way that you want to, yeah. with all these other cars? Well, and you run into a lot of ego when you get mm-hmm. to that level. So sure. In just in my local NASA region right now, there is a girl who drives a, a C seven Z O six vet that is just, I mean, it probably has. 30 to 40 miles an hour on the back straight sure. at, uh, at High Plains Raceway on me. Um, but she's two to three seconds a lap slower than me. Mm-hmm. But then that ego kicks in where she doesn't want to let me pass. You know, even though, like, I'm on her ass, like, Dussex is on a lot of these other people's asses, or, you know, you get out on a straight and they're on your ass. But it's like, at, what, what do you do? Because they're not going to give that up so you back up you know try and give yourself some room so you can chase them down and catch catch them again mm-hmm. but then you have people that are behind you mm-hmm. now you're slowing them up and you know you get up into that that level where you're battling a high grip car versus a high horsepower car mm-hmm. and it's going to be constant back and forth of, of you can't catch them on the straight you can't get by them on the straight um but then you're on them throughout the entire corner. Yeah. Man, it's just, it's, how do you, how do you get that one lap? It's, a, like it's you're, definitely a new strategy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like a new, new problem. Yeah. Man, that's, like I said, it's not like a bad problem to have, but it is kind of frustrating. I mean, when you're really trying hard and it's just like that wheel to wheel, like, you see guys letting people pass them all the time wheel to wheel. Like, oh, they're out of class, go ahead and pass them, slow down. Oh, you're at a class, go ahead and pass, let them slow down. Like, but what is happening is you're decreasing the gap between you and the person who's behind you in place, and you're increasing the gap between you and the person who's ahead of you in place. Right. And it's kind of like that in the time trials game. We're like, all right, man, like, well, you're just not going to let me pass, so I'm just going to give myself the gap on you, and then that next guy's on you. Like, okay, well, let me give him the next gap then, and then the next person's on right. you. Next thing you know, you're running 20 seconds slower than you normally do just to try and find some open track. And yeah, you can pull off the track, you know, and give yourself a gap, but there's usually enough people on these tracks where, especially at a four mile track at Road America and you've got yeah. 15 minutes, you pull off the track to get a gap, then you've got to warm up again, you know, because that lap, yeah. even if you're going 10 tenths, that lap doesn't count for anything, and then you've got another four miles to do. So it's eight miles before you turn right. one good time, and that's not like... If you have 15 minutes, like these grid lap yeah. events are, you don't have time five to do or six that. Laps. One of those is a warm-up yeah. lap at least. If yep. you slow down to, to do that, all right, yep. that's two laps gone. Yep. And then you've got to make sure that then on lap number three, that yep. has, you have to land where you need to be yep. to have an open track. Yeah, and hopes that if you pull in through the pit, that the, the people that are watching actually put you out in a clean zone. Yeah. Yeah. And it stays clean while you're pushing yeah. your car. Yeah, yeah. 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 it's you're, trying you're to like, like get that intensity because it's an intensity. They like, can't just like, all right, well here's the last turn. Intensity's on, you know, and then you're sure. doing a flyer. It's like, all right, like uh, halfway through the track at least, or at least the last three turns coming up to it. Like the intensity has to be there. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna run your fastest lap if your sector, the last sector going into your fastest lap was the slowest sector you've ever driven. Right. You know, it's got to be the fastest sector four before you start sector one again yeah you know otherwise it's always going to be something on the table yeah. it's yeah, crazy though it's just it's a crazy thing it's there, there's a lot more to it <laughs> this time trial stuff like once you start really trying to get there to the front and be yeah. competitive to, to the outside looking in it's oh you're just trying to do a lap yeah. well there, there's a lot to it as far as the car setup yeah there's a lot to it as far as like how do you build the car to make it so that it can be fast and even then like 
exactly what you're saying. Once you once you get to the point where the car can do the lap time, mm -hmm. there's different ways to get a car that will do that lap time. Yep. And and you have your car that will do it, but it's it's because it's fast in the corners. And yep. then you run up against somebody that's doing a similar lap time, but they're real fast on the straights, but yep. not in the corners. Yeah. And now you're you're dicing with them. How does that all work? Yeah. I mean, it's just it gets. It, it's not as easy as it would seem. Yeah. And we just laugh about it at the end of the weekend. <laughs> right? That, that's the challenge. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the game that you're playing. Yeah. It's a fun game to play for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, well, real quick, we should we should mention that there's something else that happened with you, Dussex, in, in the last couple was it was a couple weeks or a month ago. A month, yeah. It, it's car-related but not car-related. Yeah. So what what is that? So uh, I ran to be on... Uh, the Colorado Region SCCA Board of Directors and um, against six people and there are three of us were going to get voted in and um, I put together a bio. A lot of people are really enthusiastic from the club for me to do it, um, especially for as little as my participation has been leading up to this point. And I've got a lot of great ideas for time attack or time trials, I should say, and kind of bringing it like the national flavor and stuff into like a local event and yeah. with the connections we had a lot of drive for that but being on the board of directors is obviously about the whole SCCA thing and not just about time trials so I ran for the board of directors and I had was tied for the most online votes and cool. had the most mail-in ballot votes so like I was the the most popular of the, the three candidates that made it in and they had the most votes that they've ever had cast like wow. this was double their last year's almost uh, participation. Yeah. And I think a big part of it is kind of what, like what I'm trying to bring a little modernness to it, the, a little bit more youthfulness in the sense like I post it online, you know, like, hey, I'm doing this. Here's my bio, like on my Facebook profile. We got a lot of people commenting and sharing about it. Mm -hmm. And whether people got on there to vote to make sure I didn't get in or voted to make sure that I did, it was still the highest, uh, um, the highest participation. And, it's exciting to be part of that and um, and I'm really glad to see that kind of response from both the club members and from the current board of directors and the regional executive that have that kind of enthusiasm mm -hmm. to have me be part of the team that's pretty awesome so, so, so you are now officially on the Rocky Mountain SCCA board yep and that sounds if I understood it right kind of your your main duty or, or focus is going to be the SCCA time trials class. Yeah, I think, um, so as the board of director, we'll be working with all aspects of the, the local SCCA. I think the biggest and the biggest drive behind my enthusiasm has been for time trials. Mm -hmm. So it's like any business in some ways where you see opportunities to capitalize and then you can put it towards your own passion. Like, I see an opportunity here that we can make this more efficient or make this better and then with this efficiency and stuff I want to be able to take that and put it here so like an idea is I'd like to be able to be part of the tow fund is what they call it in other regions where to help send guys to nationals even if it's like a hundred dollar gas card or a partial payment for towards their nationals I want there to be a big pull for that so I've got to be do my part as the board of director, as, as one of the members of the board of directors, mm -hmm. and look for opportunities so that it doesn't cost the group money and being more efficient with the other spend and or drive-in participation. I mean, there's a lot of that, too. People are enthusiastic when parts of the business are booming, you know. Yeah, yeah. Even if I'm doing all this stuff, if our time trials, you know, uh, um, like participants start doubling or get close to that, I mean, that's a huge, that's major leverage. So, sure, sure. so it's about the all aspects of the business at SCCA, like rally cross, uh, solo, you know, wheel to wheel, all that stuff. Yeah. But definitely, um, I want to do as much as I can to grow the time trials for sure. Very cool. Well, I mean, that's that's a huge opportunity for you, and it's. Yeah. You know, kind of like what we were just talking about. You've got you've you've been through a lot of different experiences mm -hmm. running a car on track, and mm -hmm. so I think that perspective of somebody that's going to be out there doing it, but also can help see what's working, what isn't, mm -hmm. where can you make little tweaks to improve it. Mm -hmm. You know, for for all the participants. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a that's a massively exciting opportunity. You you've gotten the step beyond just being frustrated by it, and now you have some ability to kind of. Yeah. Make it better, hopefully. 
Yeah. Well, change some of these old school thoughts and ideas yeah. about what time trials is supposed to be yeah. or what racing is supposed to be in general. Oh yeah. There's a, there's a lot of these, um, you know, cars change, um, and and the way that the the way that people compete in some of these cars changes, and to take some of these old rules that have been around for 30, 40 years, yeah. and and make it to where it can be more competitive and fun. Yeah. for everybody as opposed to like how many classes did you say were just in the SCCA time trials alone there's um, 20 classes and that's supposed to be efficient yeah. you know I don't know how much there are in solo and solo has got to be 60 classes or something yeah. if you don't have enough people to fill every single one of those classes to make that class competitive now you have one person that's winning mm-hmm. everything because he's the one or two people in that class, but taking yeah. all those classes and, and dwindling them down a little bit to make it more competitive for you know the people that are out there, I think that's that's huge. Yeah, I mean, I think a big reason, the biggest reason I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm sure I, I, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and speak for Scotty in this regard too, is we want to be the best damn drivers we can be, mm. and there's gonna take something. There's something that's always we're gonna we push each other. You know, we push yeah. ourselves, mm-hmm. and a lot of times, sometimes, even if the competition seems a little unfair, like, oh, I've got to be six seconds faster than the Civic to win, it's going to push you, too, to be six seconds faster than the Civic or than a Miata to to win, and if you go into every event knowing that, like, hell, I showed up, I'm getting first place, <laughs> like, unless, you have, award, unless but... you have that independent drive to, to just be as fast as, as fast as you could possibly be, yeah. I mean, it's... I mean, the carrot is one of those tools that sure. we use to, like, all the time. Like, me, Scotty, and Toss are always talking about who wants to be at the top of that thing and yeah. what we're going to do to get there. And, yeah. you know, and I mean, the carrot is, chasing the carrot is one of those ways, you know, that yeah, we do it. For sure. So, yeah, I mean, it's, there's got to be a reason to run the race. Exactly. You know, there's, there's one person in the class, and so you're guaranteed yeah. first place. I mean, okay. Yeah. I mean, and, and to be in that class, to have that car, I mean, there there is a purpose there, but like long-term and to make it yeah. fun for more people, yeah, I mean, bringing, bringing it, finding ways to make more people be able to actually compete. And yeah. now, yeah, you're six seconds off the pace. Well, find out how you can, yeah. where, where can you find those six seconds? Yeah, and then, and then a big part of it too, and that's one of my big drives is encourage um, national competition. So I'll use Adam Wood as an example. Adam Wood is a fast local guy. Yeah. He uh, has done pretty well with GTA, run an enthusiast class. He ran uh, Road America last or like a month ago, and it took it took some convincing. But I basically told him, I was like, "Dude, take your empty car trailer back with you to New Mexico. I'll take your car with me to SCCA time trials, and you go out there and show them what you can do instead of like just like, oh, I'm the fastest only guy in my class. Like, show them what you can do on the national level. Hmm. And for him, it was a clean sweep." He went wow. through there and just, I told him even at one point, I was like, you know, the way I'm doing the classes, you're just making your your season harder on yourself next year because you're going so fast. <laughs> you know, yeah. and he won by such a good margin, wow. like a big margin. And and so, yeah, I mean, that's what I want. I want guys, they might be frustrated or it might not be perfect rule set or whatever, but they're pushing themselves. When they go to nationals, they don't have an experience where, like, they're getting the crap kicked out of them. They have the experience where people are chasing them, and they want to know what's going on in Colorado, and they want to know why these guys are so fast. Yeah. And that's that's what I want. I want what I want for me for everybody else, and all to have fun. For sure. That yeah. I mean that's yeah. Being actually pushed to to grow as a driver, mm-hmm. develop your car, find mm-hmm. time, go faster. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's what it's all about, right? Yep. Nice. Yep. Well, very cool. Well, I mean, I think. For, for basically kicking the dust off the podcast, <laughs> this is a this is a as good of a way to do that as any. So, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad you're back in town. I wish I, I'm, it's a bummer that uh, you made an early return because you couldn't do uh, an, another event or two. But yeah. yeah, glad that you're back, and it's it's going to be fun to see how the car turns out. Yeah, absolutely. In this kind of final next iteration, and hopefully, Scott, you have a good weekend and. And see what happens with high points. Yay! Yeah. Go More, faster. Yeah, go, go faster. faster. Go faster. And then it's, it's October, that'll be the middle of October, and then winter's coming. So, mm-hmm. perfect time 
for, for more projects, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, this blender is going to be good for projects. Yeah. That's right. Yes, so much so much time for activities when they're still on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Well, thanks for making the trek out here, Dussex, and uh, thanks to all you guys for listening. Um, yeah, appreciate your support, and uh, gosh, I guess until next time. That's yeah. Right. Check us out at com and, and listen to the other podcasts, and, and hopefully there'll be a lot more of these uh, to come here in the not-too-distant not future. Yep. Sweet. See ya. All right, well, so that was Flatirons Tuning Podcast number 12. Um, thanks very much for listening. Thanks for listening to the end. Really appreciate that. Um, hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, thought it was a good conversation. Um, and uh, just in closing, we'll just say that uh, Knockwood, it's going to be a lot less time before the next episode goes up. So this is something that we really are uh, committed to try and get rolling again and, and start kind of get, getting these out somewhat consistently. So thanks very much for listening. Really appreciate it. Appreciate your support. And... Uh, as always, stay tuned with Flatirons Tuning.